Good morning, everyone. It's great to see you all. Um, I'm Rob, and the rector, the pastor here in the church, it's, it's great to see you. You're very welcome. And please come for a chat after the service. If you're new or visiting, it's great to see you. I'm going to go straight into our talk today before we break bread and ask you a question. Have you ever spent some time, might be a period of time or it might be over a season, really reflecting on your own story in life, your own, um, how you've got to this place, if you like? It's a, it's a huge question. But I've been reading a book by Rob Harley, an Australian. Uh, he might be from New Zealand, so excuse me if I got those mixed up. But, um, well, yeah, I have an issue with New Zealanders after yesterday, but that's another conversation. Well done to you. Um, but this book, anyway, is called The Power of Story. And Rob Harley, who is a journalist, he writes this really good story about, a really good book about the power of story and how it's really important that we spend time reflecting on our own stories in life and that we live in a world that is um, very much filled with information and we're constantly bombarded by information within the news or media and he as a journalist said that he was he got to a point where he had so much information in his head he had to actually step back for a season and actually spend some time just reflecting on his own story and so he wrote this book about the power of story and he mentions in it that essentially the Bible is just a collection of stories. And especially the New Testament, he mentions not necessarily a, a collection of religious stories, but actually a collection of stories around God inviting us into his bigger story. And I think we can overcomplicate uh, the message of the Bible uh, in a very complex world and forget the simplicity of the story of God and how we often think that we invite God into our story, and there's a, an essence of truth in that, but actually we are invited into God's bigger story. And wherever you are on your own trajectory of faith or however you, you experience God, whether you're in that place of full faith or that place of investigating faith, it's important to remember that all of us are invited into, into God's bigger story. And I was reflecting on this myself, just taking some time thinking about my own story and how I got to this place in, in leading Holy Trinity. don't have time to go into it in, in detail at the moment, but I was reading an article yesterday by David McWilliams. You might have seen it in the Irish Times. And he himself is going through this big, um, I wouldn't say a crisis in his life, but he's beginning to reflect in his own story as an economist and how uh, economics have changed uh, so much over the last few years in Ireland. And he was funny enough talking about the necessity uh, to reflect on one story, and he wrote about that yesterday in the Irish Times as an economist. But I've been reflecting on my own story, and I'd like to invite you in to reflect on your story uh, in this sermon today. For me, uh, I, I grew up in a quite a religious household, uh, a classically Irish household. Um, my, my father, uh, even both were Church of Ireland. My father came from a, a Catholic background. Um, his, his family on his father's side uh, would have been raised Catholic. And when my, my mom and dad got married, um, he decided to go with the Protestant way because it was easier. And um, he... <laughs> 
there's a whole other story there. But anyway, he, he was raised that way. And they, and it, anyway, I come from a background that's affected by both sides, if you like, uh, of the religious uh, upbringing in Ireland. That's my story. And I was brought up uh, in a very traditional church. I was brought up uh, where I had to uh, come along most Sundays. And I was in the church we went to, St. Bartholomew's, which was the Church of Ireland Church, but a very high Anglo-Catholic church uh, to kind of so would meet my father's background and my mother could still say it was Protestant. Um, there was a real, I, I think, crisis of faith that I got to when I was in my, my teens. Uh, I was an altar boy. I helped... Um, do the religious duties of the church, and I came to a point in my late teens where it was actually just more about the following of rules than a relationship. And I think from my late teens and into my 20s, I really began to drift away from organized religion. And that is a story which is very common for many Irish people today. We all know people who have lived like that. Um, and especially today, a lot of teenagers don't even come uh, to church. And that's why I love in Holy Trinity that we have such a heart for the youth and young adults. Anyway, to cut a very long story short, uh, in my own story, I found myself in my, in my mid-20s where I had left university. Uh, I'd gone to UCD, I'd started my own business, I'd been doing very well for myself, I was in the middle of Celtic Tiger Ireland, things were booming, um, I was working for a company called Quilcha, and then seconded to the World Bank, and I was working in Costa Rica, and then unfortunately, and some of you know the story, my mother, she uh, was a very strong um, Christian, and she had a great faith, and she, she got cancer, and uh, she died very, very suddenly in 1999. And she shared something with me which I've been reminded of myself and we all have people in our own lives who've been impactful in our journeys, our stories. She, she said something on her dying bed which was very instrumental. I was reading the Bible to her, a bit like the promises you're reading, Gordon, and she said something to me. She said, Rob, I, I know all this, not in an arrogant way, but to you. And I, 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 I can't even remember what I said, but essentially uh, I realized I actually, my fate to this, this point in time had all been about the rules and the regulations and not about the relationship. And she said to me, why don't you explore faith um, after I'm gone? And that's a very powerful thing when your mom says that to you, essentially in her dying, her dying, her dying days or on her deathbed. So anyway, to cut a very long story short, um, I... I promised that I would do this for my mom, and I, I investigated all the major faiths. I investigated Hinduism, I investigated um, uh, Muslim faith, I investigated Buddhist, I investigated no faith at all. And there was one day when I was uh, traveling into town for a few drinks with my friends um, one Friday night, and I passed by this church uh, called St. Catherine's on Thomas Street, and on the outside of the church was a big question mark, and on the bottom it just said, do you have questions about faith? And I said, ah, yes, I actually do. So I went in anyway, and I had a few, few drinks, and I was coming back out uh, that evening and saw the question mark again, and I ended up going along to this church to do an Alpha course, which um, Gordon had mentioned today with the children. And again, to cut a very long story short, I did this Alpha course, and there was a moment, um, which was a real Kairos moment or a shift uh, in my own life, when we were doing a thing called the Holy Spirit Day, which was a time in the course where you have an, an, an opportunity to really receive God, to actually um, 
to actually have an opportunity to be prayed with. And it was a very uh, awkward time for me, to be honest, because I went into this space with my upbringing. It was very unusual. It wasn't really uh, normal for me to be in the space. And, and I remember the time very clearly they did this talk in the Holy Spirit and the importance of the Christian faith. And the pastor, his name was Willie, he said, look, if anyone would like to be prayed with or anyone would like to, to really receive um, Christ or to have their faith renewed or, you know, have their questions answered, um, you know, I'd love to pray for you. And I went right to the back of the room. I went as far away as I could. I thought it was very weird. I thought it was quite strange. I just wanted to get out of there and, and go home. Anyway, he was praying with all these people, and other people were being prayed with as well. And it was very new to me, as I say. And then he caught my eyes. I was like, oh, no, this is, this is not good. Um, and he just made a beeline towards me. And I just was saying, just say no. Just, you know, there's no need to, uh, to say anything. Just, just when he comes to you, say, thank you very much. I enjoyed your talks, but this isn't for me. And he came to me, and he said, your name's Rob, isn't it? And I went, yes, it is. And he said, would you like me to pray for you? And I just went, oh, yes, please. <laughs> and I think it was more out of awkwardness, to be honest, than um, really having this sense of wanting to do it. But he prayed for me a prayer which I'll never forget. And the prayer was that God loves you even before you knew he, that, that he loved you. God loves you even before you knew that he loved you. And that moment was a huge shift in my life when I really began. I left my job, and I ended up going into university and studying theology, and, and here I am um, all those years later. But that moment um, is a very significant moment in the uh, understanding and the concept of what Christianity is about. And a lot of us brought up in an Irish tradition, or however we've been brought up, even in a, a non-denominational background, we actually can uh, forget this simplicity of this scripture from 1 John 4.10, which had huge impacts in actually experiencing God's love, but actually living it out. And it's this scripture here on the screen, not that we love God, but that He loved us first. Not that we love God, but that He loved us first. Many of us see Christianity as following a set of rules and regulations in order to get to God. But this scripture is, is foundational. And in that, there is a rewiring of our hearts. I, he, he takes this love and begins to foundationally change our hearts and our minds. And I was reminded of this rewiring. Uh, it's, it's like a plug I have this picture, uh, I don't know if Hannah has this, this, this picture of when we really experience this love and when faith isn't about a religion or a, a set of regulations, but it's actually about experiencing God's love in that He loves us first. It's like He rewires our lives. It's like he, he basically uh, takes out uh, the wires that are disconnected and actually uh, fixes the plug I was reminded of a story recently. We have a record player from 1972 in Old Ferguson I got for Dillis um, for her birthday. And now you know how old she is. And um, the, record player, <laughs> the record player wasn't working. And Dave Donnelly uh, came over and fixed the plug. And that's the reason why it wasn't working. And plugged it into the wall. And now the record player is working. And I was just reminded that the simplicity 
of the message of the gospel is that God loves us and that if we really experience that love, he actually rewires us. But many of us have like faulty wires or many of us don't feel plugged in. Many of us have, you know, disconnections. But I think it's really important to realize that we are all wired a certain way. And we are all wired um, for certain things that we want in life that can only truly be fulfilled through this love that God gives us. I've been reading in this season some of the aspects of how this love works out in my story in reality and how it works out in our story. I'm reading a guy called Dallas Willard who says we are all wired for four things in life. We are all wired in four fundamental ways. We are wired for a desire to have a transcendence to a higher power. In other words, we want to be connected with something bigger, this innate desire that there's something more. We're wired that we actually want to have this sense of being affirmed, this sense of being loved, this sense of being accepted. We have this innate wiring to be drawn to community, and we have this innate love for the world around us. They're like the four wires of the plug, if you like. But as we as Christians believe that we, we lost relationship with God in the fall, we became ashamed of ourselves, we separated from each other and began to destroy the world around us. If you like, the wires of the plug began to become disconnected. And on the cross, Jesus rewired all these four things. He restored our relationship with God as Father, so we are not ashamed. We see ourselves as children of God. We are drawn to church's community and actively care for our creation. Now, you might be saying, I've heard this a thousand times, or I know this, or maybe you don't know it. Maybe you're a bit like me growing up in that background uh, where faith is about religion as opposed to relationship. But I firmly believe that in many churches, and something I've been speaking about for a while, and even in our church, that we fundamentally don't live from this place of love and God loving us. We, we constantly go back to this place of religion. In its very simplest form, this love is expressed in the gospel of Jesus. And in its very simplest form, the very, the earth wire of the plug, if you like, is, is the gospel is that Jesus loves us so much, he died for our sins, he rose again from the dead, and he will return. But if I was to ask you in this room, what do you believe that the gospel is to be? For me, it was the priest walking down in the middle of the church with the gospel book. If I was to ask you, what exactly does the gospel mean for you, and how does it impact your life? I'm sure we'd get maybe 40, 50, 60, maybe different answers. But in the most fundamental understanding of the gospel is that Jesus loves us. He loves us so much that he died for us and he rose again and he will return. But this fundamental aspect of love, and do you actually experience that? Do you live out from that place of love? Or is it about a set of regulations as opposed to a relationship. I know for me it was for many years and it was such a breath of fresh air to experience it as a relationship. And over this next season, and before we, we break bread now in a short while, of this next season we're going to be doing a sermon series and looking at this idea of the love of God and what it actually means for us. 
and how it can be broken down into three words which are so important to what it means to live out the gospel. This sermon series is called um, Beloved, Be Loved, and Be Love. Beloved, Be Loved, and Be Love. I think in an Irish culture, we need to have language that is accessible and helps us explain our own faith, but also helps it explain to others. This first word, beloved, a word we don't often use in our own Irish vernacular today, beloved, that's how God sees you, as beloved. He doesn't see you as a cog in a wheel, or he doesn't see you as a number. He sees you as his child, and he sees you as someone who wants to be, he wants to be in deep relationship with you. Beloved, then, is that you live out from this place of being a child of God. And then lastly, be love is share this God, this love with others. And the tagline that we have in a church, our church here, which we haven't been using that much recently, is that we're meant to share the love of God in a fresh way. This idea of being beloved, this idea of be loved, and this idea of be love. And that, I think, again, it's the most simplest form is such an important aspect of how you live out your life and how you grow in your faith. Today, and just very briefly before we go into communion, just for a few minutes, I want to speak about the word beloved, how God sees you. How do you think God sees you? If you honestly ask yourself that question, how does God see me? What's the first emotion that comes up in your heart and your mind? The word beloved means dearly loved. And in 1 John 4, 1 to 6, how God sees you is explained very clearly. I think it's on the screen behind me. It says, what marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who you really are. But that's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously, because it is, bless you, because it has no idea who he is or what he's up to. But friends, that's exactly who you are, children of God. And that's only the beginning. Who knows how we'll end up what we know is that when Christ is openly revealed, we see him, and in seeing him, become like him. All of us who look forward to his coming stay ready with the glistening purity of Jesus' life as a model for our own. All who indulge in a sinful life are dangerously lawless, for sin is a major disruption of God's order. Surely you know that Christ showed up in order to get rid of sin. And so this aspect of understanding ourselves of, of, as being beloved is so important, even in the midst of being sinful, even in the midst of being dangerously lawless, that God loves us and that he invites us back into that relationship. And one of the biggest challenges is seeing yourself as beloved and seeing yourself as forgiven. 
I came across this, which Dallas Willard said again, seeing yourself as beloved and God as your healthy father is one of the most central questions to your spiritual formation. If you were to dive deeply into this question, become fully aware of your operating beliefs, and then consider setting them aside in order to relearn God as Father as He truly is, then most every struggle about your insecurities, about how people view you, would be set aside. God as Father. Ask this question, how do you view God as Father? Search your heart, be brave, then honestly lay down all you have learned falsely and ask Him to come to you just how he sees you as a daughter or son, even if far away, even if sinful, through the cross you are invited home. This is the process of more of me belonging to more of God. And Henri Nouwen, a great writer, speaks about this, and he says, this is the voice of the beloved. This is the still, small voice that is constantly calling you out as being beloved. In the midst of your job, in the midst of your family, in the midst of your insecurities, in the midst of your doubt, in the midst of your anger, in the midst of your boredom, in the midst of whatever, ever, every, whatever stage of life you're in, there's this voice of the beloved. And Henri Nouwen has this creed that he encourages. Henri Nouwen was a, a Catholic priest, who uh, an incredible communicator, and he wrote a lot about the love of God and this idea of being beloved. He said, each one of us needs to rally against the gospel of law, which is one of works, and remind ourselves that we are beloved in Christ. And every morning, he used to say this creed, which I think is powerful, a powerful reminder of how we are beloved. I have it on the screen here behind me. I'm not what I do. I'm not what I have. I'm not what people say about me. I am the beloved of God. It's who I am. No one can take this from me. I don't have to worry. I don't have to hurry. I can trust my friend Jesus and the cross and share his love with the world. And so every morning he would read out this creed in a world where he constantly went back to that place where he didn't feel beloved. And we're going to break bread now um, in, in a minute. And I'd like us to simply ask ourselves that question honestly. Um, do we feel that way of being beloved? And as we go into this series, next week we'll go even deeper into what it means to be beloved, and then afterwards we'll look at what it means to live out our lives as a child of God. And then afterwards we'll look at what it means to share God's love. And just before we come to the table, I'd like to just lead, leave that creed up there. I'd like in silence actually to ask ourselves and ask God to really reveal himself to us as our beloved Father. So let's just take that moment as we sit in silence and then we'll break bread together.